Welcome to podcast number 71, brought to you by Help with Parkinson's. We have two guests today, husband and wife team from the uh, Bucks County area. There's John Herber and Paula Herber. Welcome to the show, John and Paula. Thank you, Warren. And I'm your host, Warren Butfinick. So John, would you want to explain uh, a little bit about yourself and then Paula can explain, then we'll get into the meat of the conversation. Uh, I'm 72. I've uh, had Parkinson's for about four years. Uh, background, I've got about seven years as flying as a commercial pilot, and I did 40 years with the Federal Aviation Administration as an air traffic controller. Um, I was going to work until I was 70, but uh, things you know, started working out a little bit. And uh, Without going into too much detail, well, a short memory loss got me to the primary care and then to a neurologist, and then the neurologist is the one that diagnosed me with Parkinson's. So I retired about a year and a half before I was planning on it. Like I said, I was going to plan to work till 70. Um, that didn't change things too much. I was a little depressed for about a month or something, but I got out of that real quick. And uh, let's see what else we got here. Yeah, my wife said, uh, you know, they got uh, support groups for Parkinson's. So I looked those up and uh, found one that we went to, kind of like that. And then about two years after we were going to that, the leader of that group decided to retire herself. And... She knew at some point she would have to give up the support group, which she had been leading for about 20-some years. One of the other members of the support group suggested, well, why don't we form an advisory committee and uh, maybe throw some ideas together and see where we want to go with this. So we did that. And our uh, illustrious leader said, anybody that would like to venture some opinions on the future of the support group can uh, – stay after the meeting. So uh, Paula and I stayed after class. And uh, here we are now kind of running this uh, support group. Um, we have some other members on the advice. We have some other members on the advisory board. They and they contribute to uh, certain areas as well. Back to you for a moment. Go ahead, Warren. Yeah, so uh, Paula, I see you're the coordinator. So uh, I know john does the website, which is looks really nice. Is your is your job more of like the, the leader of the group and then you have an advisory board? Right. And um, so I, I take, you know, the minutes of the meeting and action items to make sure that, you know, we complete them. And um, I also try to find speakers because we have a speaker every month at our group. And um, and, and I read information and certain things that I think is important, I'll send out to everybody in an email. Um, I also have my, since my, name, my phone number's on the website, I've had people call me and, or email me, ask questions. Um, and luckily we've, people have been pretty happy with whatever I talk to them about. Mm -hmm. um, as in regard to Parkinson's. It's good. So I've seen a few groups around here that nobody has an advisory committee. Is that similar to saying vice president and uh, things like that? Is it just a, like an executive committee? 
Yeah, we don't have any titles at all. Mm-mm. We have uh, people from Cornerstone uh, Fitness Center that are that are in the building where we have the meeting, our Parkinson's meeting, which is an auditorium. Um, it's connected to Doylestown Hospital. And um, so we have them on the committee and just other people. One person is on the Parkinson Council down in Philly on their committee and just people that, you know, decided that they wanted to get involved. That's good. How many people are in your general audience during the, during the support group meeting? Well, it depends. 35, uh, 35 normally, sometimes up to 65. That's a really active group. That's, that's really good. Yes. Yes, it is. The nice thing is we've got this beautiful auditorium. We can keep taking more people in. We can get up to about 120. <laughs> That's great, because I know your area is pretty well known for Parkinson's research and, uh, and doctors. That's, a, that's one of the, the best areas to be in for uh, movement disorder doctors. Does that, does that help a little bit, getting people to go to your support group meetings? Um, I don't know if it does or not because most it's all located down in Philly and a lot of people don't want to drive down there. Oh. We do. We, we have a movement disorder specialist down at Penn Medicine for John. Um, uh, but uh, we've uh, kind of stressed the fact that anybody with Parkinson's should have a movement disorder doctor and now we have one in, at the Doylestown Hospital that just started so but most everything's downtown I don't mind driving down there but a lot right. of these people are in their 70s and 80s and um, I don't know if it's close to well you can take the train too right yeah if they knew how important it was they probably more people would do it yes uh, makes even, a big difference even the diagnosis is kind of difficult to do and I think there's a lot of errors of diagnosing that come out over the years because there's so many yeah. similarities. One, one thing John and I also did was uh, that we made, biz John made business cards, excuse me. Um, and we, we went to 14 different neurology locations in Bucks and Montco and gave them cards so that when they, somebody newly, specifically newly diagnosed, they can give them a card, they, you know, so they can go on the website and they have um, information so they're just not totally blindsided. Or... Yeah, and just, I got a card in front of me just to give you an idea. It uh, has the support group's name, the logo, which is Optimism Essential, Humor Helpful. Got the website, and it says, if you've been handed a diagnosis of Parkinson's disease, you may not know where to turn right now. Please visit our website and write down the date of our next two meetings. We'd love to have you. That's a good idea. And uh, the, the idea is to let the neurologists hand that to somebody that they've just uh, smacked over the head. Yeah, that's a great idea because flyers, people throw out, but nobody throws out business cards. And, <laughs> and we all, we don't ever forget the day that you, we were told you know, we had Parkinson's either. Right. Nobody forgets that day. <laughs> so right. we're, we're working on a, another humor aspect here. We're working on a jingle to teach doctors how to uh, 
break the news to you that you got that. Somebody suggested maybe a little. We don't. We got three verses already, but we won't go into that tonight. We'll save that as a uh, as a teaser, and uh, for the when we put it on the website. But right now we're working on a melody, and uh, a friend of ours suggested maybe some rap music. So, yeah, mm-hmm. we'll see what comes up. That's good. Yeah, because everybody's got their own stories about how they were told, and looking back on it, it was so bad. It was it's funny, but my my case, the doctor was ten minutes late to my to the uh to my room and so she was really busy she uh looks at me for five minutes says it looks like parkinson's and she walks out of the room <laughs> and, I, and i go back to call her back i said what's going on and she goes well we'll make an appointment in two weeks we'll talk about it isn't, isn't that, that awful it? yeah and i said what about my medication that she's like well it takes one to three a day depending how you feel and we'll check check back in two weeks that, that oh, was wow. awful. Yeah, that is. That's very like John's um, regular neurologist. She has wonderful bedside manner. The first time, as soon as he walked in from the reception area, she she knew right away. But she took his shoes off for him. Wow. I just wonderful bedside manner. She's a wonderful lady. Yeah, it's, it makes a big difference because that's you don't know what to do. You know, you, like John was saying, for the first month you sort of in a very odd mood, you know, you go through all those stages of grief and to have something like that hanging over your head. Yeah, he, he did that. And I'm, I got on the computer right away because I didn't know anything about it. I wanted to know because, you know, the more, you know, the more you feel like you might have some kind of control of some sort. So I, he goes, you do your thing. And, you know, and I said, fine. And eventually he started asking me questions and, I said, here, and I'd print something out for him and give it to him to look at. And yeah, it's a... Uh, it came around. Well, here, here's a, a plug. Here's a plug for the website for anybody listening that hasn't been there yet. Central Bucks Parkinson Support Group. You take the letters that make that up, cbpsg.org, and that will get you there. And one of the interesting things you might find there is... Um, couldn't sleep one night and went YouTubing and found up the uh, the Blue Comedy, Comedy Comedy Tour. And since I was awake anyway, I just started putting things together. And I came up with, you might be a parky if. And you'll find a whole page of them, about 20 of them, on the website. Um, he came up with all of them, but one. <laughs> I'll just, I'll give you one here, just... If really you hold too. your hair dryer in your Parkinson's hand to minimize scalp burn, you might be a parky. They're all good. I've read them all. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. And you can't, how many days did it take you to come up with all them? Surprisingly, not that many. Yeah. <laughs> I just started. Well, I started looking at the symptoms and I just, well, there's one for that symptom. There's one for that symptom. If the size of your handwriting is now a postgraduate study in nanotechnology, <laughs> you might be a porky. Another thing I, I have done this year since I'm the coordinator is um, down at Penn Medicine, they have all the greater Philadelphia um, area including some new jersey coordinators come together for a day 
and just discuss what they're doing. Um, and we have several specialized doctors um, speak to us too, which was very interesting. Um, I really enjoyed that. So I was connected to someone that um, does a care partner meeting when they're having the Parkinson meeting at the same time, he's a retired psychologist. So he runs the meeting and um, I've referred several people to go to that meeting um, if they meet, you know, wanted to, because we don't, we don't have one. We do break out into groups maybe once or twice a year, which we're going to do one um, tomorrow. Um, we have a special uh, nurse from Penn Medicine for the Parkinson's side, and then I'm going to run the care partner side. Nice. You keep that separate, right? The, the oh, yes. Yeah, that's important. Yes. It, yes, John thought he could come with me <laughs> in Miami the second day for the care partner part. And I'm like, no, you can't come in. You that's can't. the whole point. We can't have any. Right. Yeah, we're going to let our hair down. <laughs> gonna, you know, so he's got to do something else. Right. And let me just bring up that that uh, care, care partnership thing. So it's in Miami, right? You want to go over the, uh, the schedule? Yes. It's, um, if you want to access it by webinar, um, it's the Park, Parkinson's Disease Foundation. And just put PD Foundation Care Partner Summit 2020 and it'll take you to the registration so you can register online to watch it good that's always that day it's may 16th excuse me i i forgot about that so and it's an all-day thing i don't know um i have watched one before that they provided and um you know they have breaks and things um mm -hmm. during the day so and for people then in the, that may happen to live in that area, it's it's in Miami, you said. Yes. Okay, because we have people listen to this all over, all over the world, kind of. Oh. Kind of it's amazing when you do the uh, the analytic search how where people are coming from. Oh wow, that's neat. Yeah, and that's why we're hoping to get our our organization to have virtual support groups, so people could be at home, sort of like what we're doing now, but have a have a group of maybe 30 people and have a, uh, you know, have the same thing as being there, but you just, you're just watching on a screen. So that's, that's kind of the goal of right. my, uh, my charity. Cause like, well, like you said, that's people, people don't travel from Bucks County to Philadelphia. Some people, you know, as you get longer into the disease, you know, there's less chance of you leaving your house. Right. Right. Um, and also the care partner, I, I don't know yet, luckily, but the care partner gets more tired too right. at the same time. And if they're the one driving, um, probably at that stage they would be, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, it's kind of up to them to be able to get down there. Right. Right. It's, uh, and, if, and these groups, when you look at the, the husband and wives, the, the caregiver over the years, they, they start looking worse than the, uh, Parkinson's patient because they're so tired. Yeah. Uh-huh. I believe that. Yeah. And we, we have people at all stages in our group. So, um, 
I can I see. <laughs> yeah. Do you uh, do you have anybody interested in rock steady boxing in your area? Oh yeah, quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, yes. we've got uh, overlapping um, units as far as geography goes. Um, one of the first ones started out in New Hope, Pennsylvania, which is uh, so we're close to the Delaware River, bordering on New Jersey. And then, uh, as Paula mentioned, Cornerstone Fitness Clubs, uh, which meet in the same location where we do, they've got quite a extensive facility and they've gone to quite an extensive effort to create the ultimate Parkinson's physical fitness program, which they've done well. They've gotten some grant money from the state um, to get people interested in it. It's going quite well. And uh, they're trying to set an example, not just in Parkinson's, but they're going in other things too, like cancer, cardiology, and so on, to create premier uh, fitness programs. So they've doing, they're doing quite well. They're, they're working um, with Dawestown Hospital. And so they, they have, he has three locations for his fitness centers. The one in Warrington has the Parkinson's, and they also have classes now in the Doylestown. Um, And then, um, so the Rocksteady Boxing in New Hope, and there was another location um, with Rocksteady Boxing, and then there's one down in Philly. Hmm. Things behind this uh, type of physical fitness is the Cleveland Clinic study uh, I think it was done either 2006 or 2009, where you want to get up to an RPM. On, we'll use cycling as an example and get it up to 80 RPMs. If a person rides a bike and you don't keep on them, they will probably do about 70 RPMs. Mm-hmm. But the whole idea is to push it to about 80 RPMs and to get 45 minutes of cardiovascular training at that level in your workout for that day. Mm -hmm. Now, it does not have to be 45 minutes continuously. You could do 15 minutes, 15 minutes, and 15 minutes and get the same uh, benefits from it. So Mm -hmm. that's pretty much uh, where we're – and I think the Rocksteady Boxing mimics that level of uh, workout as well. Right. Right, pushes you. I think that that bicycle was a tandem bike biking. That was one of the original yes, ones. it was. That, they, that was about it 10, was. 10, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that yeah, was very effective. Yeah, it, yeah, what it does it. You go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say it, it uh, making you put push yourself further than you would normally is what seems to have helped. They haven't, there's, they haven't. there's a great there's a great recap on that study if you, on uh, our website there's a a page it's called exercise and other programs in the middle of that page is a lady by the name of Dr. Sarah King she is a physical therapist and she explains all the uh, the work that went into that program and the, what the results are and so on it's very interesting to it takes close to an hour to, for her to go all the way through it, but it's worthwhile listening to. And there's also, we, we just had a, a meeting yesterday with Tai Chi, 
that was done mm. in, in a chair for people that, that need it. And that's that's pre was pretty effective. Right. Because you don't freeze then. There's also, um, I don't know if any, I don't, I don't know if, the, oh, they are going to eventually have a meditation too, which is, I think, something that care partners and Parkinson's both need mm -hmm. um, help you go to sleep or to calm you down or whatever. Right. Main, main thing is to get enough sleep and to take your medicine on time and get exercise. That's, that's, that's right. what they're, find, they're finding now that that's, that's about all you can do. Right. Exactly. Yeah. We go to the gym together. Yeah. Um, the, the only difference is people with Parkinson's like to go later in the afternoon but the average person that doesn't have any type of problem likes to go early in the day. That's, that's oh, that sounds like a plan. <laughs> well, <laughs> we, we usually, what we do is we, since I'm, I'm um, not working anymore. We just work around when his meds kick in and right. when he feels the best. Well, you when know, is that normally? Is that after 12? Like, like you say, afternoon. Yeah. Oh, another thing I did, um, it's not going to happen next year, but I was instrumental in getting grant funding for um, 10 Parkinson's patients at the James A. Michener Art Museum, a uh, six-week six week class of doing art. And it just so happened the art instructor's father had had, had Parkinson's. And um, that was for two sessions, one in the spring and one in the fall, and they didn't have to pay for it. Everything was covered. Nice. Um, I, I'm a docent there. Yes, I know, John, I'm plugging. <laughs> <laughs> he always teases me that I have to put that in there. I'm a docent at the Dictioner, yeah. and I just knew the right people, and some, pe some Parkinson's people had said something about it, and it's like I just started in, and I just knew where, to, and then I knew where to get the money, and it all worked out. At least she had a minor segue this time. Sometimes she just works <laughs> it right out. Right. That's funny. <laughs> well, that's my passion. Now, another thing that we, uh, some of the fellows did uh, last uh, fall, they organized uh, sort of a little golf club, a golf outing. And they just go out and I think they play nine holes. And then uh, some of the guys in that group did a spinoff in the winter here, uh, which I joined. And uh, we started doing some bowling. That's nice. So we're gonna, you know, see where that goes. It's not, uh, it's not extraneous exercise, but it right. gets us out of the house and uh, socializing. Yeah, and the, what I found one time was when I went to look at a rocksteady boxing class just to see what it was like. There was a guy there that said he had Parkinson's for four years and had no idea anybody else in the area had it. So these things, these are these groups are important to have. People don't, they just oh. don't know. Right. Absolutely. That's amazing how he could not know. He thought it was such an unusual disease that he was doing it completely by himself in the whole city. Oh, this, that, that, yeah, that's a shame. Yeah. And he, he felt so good that other people had it. But uh, it's scary right. enough. It's scary enough. You know, but you need to know somebody that has it to talk to. Right. Yeah, because we're all in, in this together. Yeah. Uh, yeah it's, uh, that, that felt, I felt really bad when, it, when he told me that. 
So it makes, makes, gives you the energy to make these groups active because they definitely help people. Right. Yeah, I've, I've run into a lot of people where their, uh, their parent or someone had had Parkinson's and it's just they didn't know as much either. They've mm-hmm. come a long way. They still got a long way to go, but. Right. Um, and that, and, and neurologists are more aware of it too, because I mean, like, you know, you, you have to have your kit when you go to the hospital because nurses and, and regular doctors, a lot of them, they don't, they're not educated in, in uh, Parkinson's and they don't know much about it themselves. Nurses have a two hour window to give their medication. And uh, it's right. two hours one way, one time and two hours the other way. That's four hours with that medication. So, right. so you definitely need to be there to talk to the doctors and nurses and get it, the orders written separately. Um, the Parkinson's Foundation, you can get a free kit. Mm-hmm. It's a bag. Hold all your meds. And there's papers in there to tell what med, what time. There's also a bracelet that says that you have Parkinson's. Um, and it's free. It might take a while to get to you, but it's, mm-hmm. it is free. Right. Yeah, it's definitely uh, important. Because they don't have, have medicines at the hospital for Parkinson's. That's why you need to bring all your own. Right, because they're so expensive. Right. Yeah, they'll end up putting There's, a link, for, there's a link for that on, on my website as well uh, to get that hospital kit. Yeah, it's, I've seen I think that it's kit. on the page Resources for Parkies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just having the kit makes it look more official too when you get up and talk to the nurse and explain how important right. it is. Right. Right. That's that's another area where people need to be educated. Mm-hmm. They got little post-it notes in that kit that they tell you every time you get a shift change and you get a new nurse, give them one of the post-it notes. Hi, I'm your patient. I've got Parkinson's disease. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good idea. Yeah, I never thought of that because... The next shift would have no idea what, what you told the other shift. Nope. I, d- I guess I forgot. I haven't looked in the in it. Luckily, we haven't had to use it yet. <laughs> right. Yeah. And uh, so your diagnosis, John, that was, uh, that, that was that a hard diagnosis, being that the symptoms were different than the, the normal? You said it was a, more of a, a brain memory problem? Well, that had let, that actually occurred, uh, I think, the year before. And then it was an isolated case, and then it occurred uh, again. And I kind of made myself a promise, like, this is scary, but it went away by itself the first time. If it happens again, we're going to go do something about it. So I kept my promise to myself. We went to the ER, and uh, we had a CAT scan and an MRI. Of course, all these things always happen on a weekend, never on a weekday when the staff is there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that took a while and um, basically these, those two items came back clear which said I did not have a stroke Right. Um, so the ER physician diagnosed it as transient global amnesia mm-hmm. it's like when was the last time you knew somebody that had amnesia that was not a character on a soap opera right. <laughs> but they suggested him see a neurologist and so we did and 
John happened to be diagnosed on Parkinson's birthday, April 11th. (laughs) That's funny. So they were able to diagnose you with that, even though you had the history of something different. What was it? Yeah, and then I did have a few, uh, a few more instances of that. Let's see, transient global amnesia, by definition, might happen once and is not uh, generally repeats itself. Mm-hmm. But uh, I did have some repeat episodes, and then they kind of died out. And we've gone a couple of years now without, I think, uh, three. I think we're on the third year without one. But he had noticed a year and a half before he was diagnosed he certain things. And he went online and, and thought he had Parkinson's. And he said something to his regular doctor, and she just, you know, dismissed it. But mm-hmm. I and I, and then I was like, are you mad at me because of the mask face? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this, this is before we knew what he had. I'm, I'm, are you mad at me? I had a co-worker at work said, he looks like he's mad at the world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Then, then I thought his knee replacement was why he was walking like a penguin. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I call it the penguin walk. Right. Um, and, you know, and, over. until he was, Yeah. Oh, and then I started making the uh, using the, the computer at work a lot. I started making a lot of typographical errors. It's right. Like certain fingers would drag on the computer, and I get extra O's and extra A's, mm-hmm. S's, I's, things like that. I went through two keyboards, but that didn't fix, fix <laughs> anything. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, usually there's something that sticks out, but a lot of doctors think it'd be so unusual they don't even look that way. They t- they say you just have a familiar tremor. Or something like that. It took, took yeah, me about my, my, four that years. First little tremor that uh, the, the little tremor that Paul alluded to was a lip tremor. I would hold a, a mug of coffee uh, in the morning, and the uh, my lip would tr- be a tremor against the edge of the coffee mug, and that's right. the one I asked the doctor about. And she said, "No, you, I don't think you have Parkinson's because of that." Well, you were wrong, Doc. <laughs> <laughs> wrong. Yeah. I went to three different neurologists before they found out that I had Parkinson's. Wow. So, there are, I mean, a lot of people, they had, sometimes it's years before they finally find out that it was, it, the symptoms were Parkinson's. Right. Yeah. And, and they're actually happy because they knew something was wrong and they, they finally found out what it is. Well, yeah, because the unknown, um, when you don't know the unknown, it's like, um, that's scary. Mm-hmm. You have nowhere to turn or anywhere to, you know, find information or um, on it. Right. And, and there's, there's no test for it, which makes it even harder because the MRIs don't, don't show it up. Right. John did have the DAT. Um, okay. Like that scan. That scan. Yeah. That, that's, supposed, um, that's supposed to monitor your dopamine levels and things like that. Right. Did it, did it, did it see it? I'm not sure. That's something yeah. we're going we're gonna to check up on because there, there's something just kind of nagging in the back of my mind about what she said about that. So uh, we're going like to go pet, have the doctor look at that again. Is that like a PET scan? It's, uh, it's radioactive. Uh, so I guess the, the shooter takes a couple hours till it works its way through your brain or something like that. Then you have to hold very still while they uh, do this 
Well, I don't, it's a scan, but I don't know what it's uh, if it's working like an MRI or or how. Right. Yeah, I think I saw that, and it's like pinkish color, wherever the dopamine's supposed to be. Okay. Mm. Well, and then of course I've read that by the time you're diagnosed with Parkinson's, you you have lost ninety percent of your dopamine. That's true. Yeah, that's a scary part. Yeah. Yeah, that's why they Definitely hoping if they, if they catch you early enough and they find some biomarker, they could end up cutting that back from 80% or so to you know, much lower number. Right. That, that's ideal. That's what they're, they're doing now, but it's, hard, it's very hard to find people in early stage Parkinson's because half of them don't know it and the other half are right. hiding it. You know, they don't want anybody to know about it. Yeah, that's true. There's people that hide it. John's um, um, big physical therapist when he took the big program mm-hmm. um the first time he gave a talk at our our group um we weren't leading at the time um he 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 didn't tell anybody for three years that he had parkinson's and then mm-hmm. finally this last time when he spoke last summer when we had him come back and talk he did tell the whole group that he had parkinson's right yeah, some but, jobs yeah there's a lot of if you're a lawyer or somebody like that, you really can't tell your, your employer. It's a, they'll fire you right away. Right. He owned his own business, but, you know, it, yeah, there's people that. Uh, well, look at Michael J. Fox. He hid it for a while. Yes. He was sitting on his hands and things like that. Right. He had it early on, too. Mm-hmm. Um, We've had, we have several people in our group that had the DBS done also. Are they happy with that? Because you get mixed reviews on that. Some of them were uh, early versions that, that, you know, were done quite a few years ago. And, uh, you know, I think they've made improvements uh, on it since. Mm-hmm. We had, uh, we've had one lady that had uh, the... Again, they go into your skull, but they do a. Uh, uh, I don't know ultrasound. Ultrasound. Yeah, I've, I've heard some about type that. Of ultrasound. Non-invasive. Yeah. I did not know her before she had that, but I've seen her. You know, talked to her several times since, and she seems to be doing quite well. That's great. If you could do it without opening up your head, that's a uh, right. Some people are, some people well, are afraid no, they, of that. I think they do. I think they do go in. Oh, uh, do they? Into your skull. Yeah. yeah, in a in a way that's similar to the DVS, but uh, okay. I don't know all the ins and outs about that yet. Yeah, I'm hoping for one that's non-invasive completely. You know, that'll, yeah, that'll be nice. I'm sure. Yes, that would be. So it seems seems odd Definitely. to be drilling holes in your brain, you know. Just, but I guess it. I always thought it was only the people that were really bad shape doing this, but they're trying to give it to everybody. She had tremors, um, I guess major tremors beforehand. She doesn't, but we, like John said, we met her afterwards. Right. Uh, she doesn't have any tremors now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if the tremors were bad enough that I couldn't function, I, I'd consider it, but I'm at that point right now. Yeah, no, and they just keep, you know, technology getting things better. And um, did, did you... Um, 
do the DNA kit through Michael J. Fox? Uh, I did one about 10 years ago with 23andMe. Okay. Well, 23andMe and Michael J. Fox collaborated together and yeah, I did that I one. think it's That's... probably, yeah. And yeah. John did that too. Mm -hmm. And we've encouraged everybody in our group to do it too. I think I needed 10,000 people is what they were looking for. Uh, I don't, that I don't know. Yeah, because I, I was one in the original group that did it because it was a, uh, it was 10, about 11 years ago when I got diagnosed, they, they were really pushing it. They're trying to find a, a yeah. genetic basis to it. Right, exactly. Yeah, they did find a couple, couple of genes. Right. That, were, that, was, that seemed to be, be influential. But did, yes. did, did you, John, did you have any, uh, any of those genetic markers? He did. Um, the, but, the one that's common, it's uh, a Jewish uh, marker or something, but it's like seven tenths of 1%, but that is common. Um, I guess it's uh, Eastern Europe or something like that. Yeah, Ashkenazi. Yes. Ashkenazi yeah. Jewish. Yeah, he, he was six generations back and his movement disorder doctor said, nah, that didn't count. <laughs> yeah, because I was, uh, I'm, I'm Jewish, and uh, it was oh. 90, I was 99.9% uh, Ashkenazi. Okay. Well, matter of fact, so was one of my neurologists, and he said the same thing. <laughs> yeah. That means for the last, uh, all those years, it's never changed. You know, everybody married people in the same faith. Right. Right. Yeah. You too. You got a nice, uh, nice setup there. It sounds like you're helping, helping a lot of people. We'd, we'd like to think we are. I mean, that, that's, you know, part of the, the benefit of, of this is knowing that we're trying to help other people. It make, you know, helping people makes you feel good. Or yeah. It does me any. Yeah. And my doctor told me once a long time ago that you, you have to take, when you retire with like Parkinson's, you have to take that nine hours a day and fill it up with something you enjoy. You can't just not do anything. Right. And, uh, and that's what I've been doing is, you know, it's, well, you know how it is. It's time consuming with the website and meetings and connections and spend time on the phone. You know, you could definitely fill up your whole day. Right. Which, uh, you know, I, I find but it's all, what's that? It, it's, it's all good. You know, mm -hmm. um, don't you feel satisfied? Oh, definitely. And, and with me, I, I always tr try to find like people, like your niche, like what you're in your life, what's going to be the thing that defines you. And uh, you don't want to just work all your whole life and then retire and do nothing. You know, this, right. You know, e even though you're, you know, your life may not be perfect with Parkinson's as time goes on, you could make enough goodness of what you do. So you, you sort of make up for those couple bad years. That's how, that's, how right. I, that's how I've been looking at it. You know, because well, the average person, I guess, passes away from other things like choking or things like that, usually when they're about 80 or so, late 70s or 80. And uh, you know, that gives you, and if you get it when your average age is 65, when you're diagnosed, that's, that gives you 15 years to 
do what you need to do to, to make, you know, make your life uh, important. Yeah. That's, that's how it's I very it. fulfilling. Well, right. in 15 years, I ought, to be able, I ought to be able to learn how to cough that pill back up. <laughs> yeah, that's why I guess Michael J. Fox says he, if he had a choice, he, he would still take Parkinson's because the way it changed his life. So. As a matter of fact, just be, because of uh, him, I, I went and I purchased the entire uh, six-season DVD set of Spin City. Uh-huh. Uh, he's only in there for the first three years. He came right. back and did a few cameos in about the fifth year. Mm-hmm. But uh, very interesting. Nice series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, he's he definitely he definitely did some good with his life more more than he would have done without it. Yeah, especially the foundation. Absolutely, mm-hmm. that's that's the number and one foundation. The right. I mean, they all the research that they're doing all over all over the world. Actually, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. What what he does is the foundation. They spend every penny. By the end of the year, there's zero dollars left in the bank. Then they refresh it the next year. Right. So, so that, that, was, that was kind of an interesting way of doing it. So they don't worry about getting huge sums of money for summer, you know, which a lot of these uh, places get. They, they just spend well, it all. They, and they, well, and they started, um, I think, an, kind of an incentive for um, students that are in the medical around the United States. Right. Yeah, they're doing doing a really nice thing. Plus, everybody, when I told them what I had, they all said, oh, that's what Michael J. Fox has. So kind of made it easier to explain to people about Parkinson's. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, because he was the one that uh, first put it out. Okay, John and Paula. It's real nice talking to you. I hope to talk to you again soon. All right, thank you. Thank you. Bye. Have a nice day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye.